Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Cultural Podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. With the Serie A, Serie A Femminile, and Primavera Uno campaigns all wrapped up, We obviously don't have any matches to review, but the football gods blessed us with a wonderful press conference on Monday. So we're going to use that as the basis for today's episode because De Laurentiis touched on so many hot button topics during that conference. I'm joined by a guest to help me cover that all, and he's certainly no stranger to the podcast, Vincenzo Bertillo. Welcome back. Thanks for having me again, Joe. I think this is going to be an extra fun one. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I mean... (laughs) This conference, let me maybe start by going over what it was supposed to be about, because it was a conference to announce the summer retreat at Castel di Sangro, which is going to commence immediately after the retreat at Di Mauro, which is what we've done for the last couple of summers. Di Mauro is from July 9th to the 19th, and then Castel di Sangro will run from the 24th to August 6th. That leaves about a week before the 22-23 campaign kicks off because of the World Cup in Qatar. The new season will start a little bit earlier than it normally does. I think it's going to begin on the weekend of the 13th. I believe that was just confirmed by the league. Now, this is the third of potentially 12 years at Castel di Sangro. The contract is for six years plus an option to extend for another six years. De Laurentiis also revealed that Napoli will play three or four friendlies at the retreat ahead of the new season. And there's been some speculation that we could play matches against clubs from La Liga and Liga. So that's what the conference was supposed to be for. <laughs> but De Laurentiis was all over the map. He covered so many different topics. So I figured this would be the perfect basis, I guess you can say, for a podcast. Because it's a lot of things that Napoli fans have been talking about, especially with the season over and looking ahead to the upcoming season. It was actually really funny because along with Spalletti, he had the mayor of Abruzzo, Marco Marzilio, and the mayor of Castel di Sangro, Angelo Caruso, with him. And those two kept on trying to bring the conversation and the focus back to the retreat at Castel di Sangro. And then whenever it got to De Laurentiis, he started talking about Gravina and transfers and all kinds of crazy stuff. So what I've done is I've grouped all the talking points into two categories. The subjects that are not transfer-related, we're going to talk about in part one. And then the subjects that are transfer-related, we're going to cover in part two. And I want to begin with the discussion about the Scudetto. Now, since De Laurentiis told Radio Kiss Kiss that the goal from the start of the season was to finish in the top four, he's received a lot of criticism from our fans, and rightly so, I think. Now, De Laurentiis addressed this criticism at the conference, and I'm paraphrasing here, but... 
he suggested that they, or the coach in his words, didn't want to talk about the Scudetto for superstitious reasons, which is true. A lot of Napoli fans, especially fans living in Napoli, will refuse to even use the words Napoli and Scudetto in the same sentence. So I can understand that part. So to clear the air, he declared, I want to win the Scudetto. So let me ask you, Vincenzo, do you think that statement alone was enough to dispel the accusations that De Laurentiis cares more about finishing top four than actually winning the league? No, I think that those who have made up their mind about ADL and who think that he's just in it for money and doesn't care to win, they won't change their mind no matter what he says until we actually win a Scudetto. Even then, they might say that it's uh, in spite of him rather than because of him in a way. So for those of us who appreciate ADL, even if we don't think he's perfect, then we can take those words fairly seriously. But for those who, who don't like him, it's, it is what it is. What about you personally? What's your view on that comment? I think it's, you know, there's no winning. If he says the the goal is top four, people will say, oh, you only care about top four. You just care about money. You don't care to win. If he says it's to win, people will say, you know what? He's just saying that he doesn't actually mean it. So it's kind of like a catch 22 situation. And that's how I think. I do think they go hand in hand. You know, we missed out on the top four for two years in a row. And so the base objective was to qualify for top four because that allows you to grow. It brings more money in, et cetera, which in turn can help you win the Scudetto. So it's it's not like if you're going for top four, you don't want to win the Scudetto. It's like in your mind, you might hope for the Scudetto, but the minimum objective is top four, but people don't seem to to hear that. Yeah, you know, I had some good dialogue with people online about this, and I share one of the concerns that was raised by Payman Dadgar on this, where it's one thing to say that you want to win the Scudetto. I mean, everybody wants to win the Scudetto from Milan to Inter to Juve, all the way down to Stranitana, Spezia, Sampdoria, even if they don't think it's actually realistic. Everybody wants that, right? Monza just got promoted, and One of the first things Berlusconi said was that he wants to win the Scudetto and he wants to win the Champions League. So, you know, the point I'm making is that anyone can want to win something. It's an altogether different thing to say that the target of the season is to win the Scudetto. And that's the point that Payman was making. I think what fans want to hear is that the club's objective is to win the Scudetto. And they'd be very surprised if De Laurentiis made that declaration because that would put some accountability on himself. And then on the other hand, I wonder how the players would respond if that goal was declared by the club. Because, you know, I've suggested in previous episodes that our downfall this season began when the objective changed from finishing in the top four to winning the Scudetto because everyone just buckled under the pressure. Now, De Laurentiis also mentioned, not for the first time, that Milan won the Scudetto with a salary that was 40 million euros less than ours which means we've gotten out of control and we had to get back to the rule which has guided us all these years. And I think the rule he's referring to is scouting these sort of hidden gems, unknown talents, developing them as they approach their prime years, and then perhaps selling them at a profit rather than spending big money on already established players. I don't know about you, Vin, but that doesn't instill a whole lot of confidence in me that the goal for De Laurentiis is to win the Scudetto. Well, you know, the thing is, is if you say that that's the goal and you don't achieve it, it's a failure. And it's very dangerous in a piazza like Napoli to hype the fans up, say, this is the goal this season. This is the year. You know, we've been around since 1926, almost 100 years. We've only won two Scudetti in that time. And to say that this is going to be the year to do it, internally, you should say that with the team and, and the coach and everything. But you're kind of playing with fire. And again, you're going to piss some people off. It's a very tricky situation. And I don't really take his words too seriously either way. As far as the transfer strategy, it's like he spent big on Manolas. He spent big on Lozano. Now, I haven't given up on Lozano like a lot of people has. But either way, they can't really be seen as being guarantees, even though they spent more money on them. You see, even Victor, okay, he's been brilliant, but he had two injuries each season. And let's just say by chance, one of them could have been more serious than that could have been 80 mil down the drain. Thankfully, he seems to have recovered and and he's great. And hopefully he has a a fully healthy season next year. But Di Lorenzo was a low cost signing and he's been brilliant for us. Likewise with Rachmani, both of these guys were only 10 mil each and, and they're starters for us. So 
I don't necessarily think it's you need to spend the big money. Sometimes the, scouting these players for 10 million come in, they slot in and, and they do better than, and than those who, who we pay 50, 60 million for. So I, I can kind of see it both ways. It's, it's tricky. You know, we're never going to be the number one spenders. We're never going to be able to go in debt and we don't have foreign owners. We don't have a secondary ownership group like Milan. Look at the trouble Inter's in. They owe 60 million a year now that they have to come up with. They have to sell stars. So it's really tricky. I understand the passion of the fans. We all just, we need that Scudetto now. We've been following this team. We've been the bridesmaids so many times and we just want it. And I think the emotion of that for most people just overrides any kind of logic. Yeah, I agree. And to your point earlier, I think if you've already made up your mind that you're anti-De Laurentiis, there's not much he can say or do. Like just imagine, as you kind of alluded to there, if he comes out and declares our goal this season is to win the Scudetto, and then for whatever reason we don't, either injuries or we lose to a couple lower clubs or some other club has a a really good season, they're going to come at him with pitchforks saying, you said the goal was to win the Scudetto and you didn't do enough, you didn't buy enough players in January and and so on. So yeah, I can can see it's a bit of a a lose-lose for him, as you said. On the other hand, you know, I posted a tweet contrasting this quote with one of Milan's sporting director, Paolo Maldini. And if you haven't seen it, Maldini recently gave a long interview to the Gazzetta dello Sport where he said, with a high-level strategic vision, Milan can compete with the biggest clubs today. If, on the other hand, a maintenance vision is chosen without investments, without an idea from Napoli, so I guess he means like a plan, that might be a you know, translation thing, we would remain in limbo amongst the best six or seven teams in Italy to try to win back the Scudetto and qualify for the Champions League. So Maldini is basically saying that going forward, if they use the same approach that they just used in their Scudetto winning season, they're basically a one in six or one in seven shot to win the Scudetto. So by comparing Napoli to Milan, that Laurentiis is essentially saying that's where he wants to be. What he's saying is he wants to win the Scudetto, but he wants to do it in a budget-friendly way, or he wants to compete. He wants to put together a competitive squad in a budget-friendly way and kind of hope for the best. And I think that's where fans feel like maybe he's he's not trying hard enough. But I also get what you said. I mean, this club is basically his entire net worth. We all know Phil Mauro doesn't do a whole lot these days. Even when they did, there were these low budget. I mean, you know, as a, as a filmmaker, what these things are. He's uh, not quite his uncle, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And when the club lost 200 million euros during the pandemic, De Laurentiis himself lost 200 million euros during the pandemic, which, like you said, it's different than when you're owned by an investment firm or an oil tycoon who has unlimited resources, right? But at the same, you know, I'm kind of going back and forth on the different viewpoints here, but I can also see why that apparent lack of motivation, I'll call it, that lack of drive to win the Scudetto can drive our fans crazy. It was funny and ironic because at one point in the conference, he said that he wants to win the Scudetto at all costs. But at another point, he basically said he's not willing to pay two modern legends of the club. So I think he's contradicting himself a little bit there. We'll talk more about that in part two, but... I want to close part one with something a bit more positive, I guess you can say, which was the confirmation from De Laurentiis that the new kits will be ready for the retreat at Di Mauro, possibly even before then. He added that his daughter Valentina sent him four samples of the new Halloween kit to review. So they're ahead of schedule. Now that suggests that we could have another campaign with multiple kits. Though De Laurentiis did say that we will play 60 to 70% of our games in the classic Azzurri Blue, which is good to hear. Now, fans may or may not like having so many different kits. I'm neither here nor there on it. I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I do prefer fewer kits. But if it helps the club generate revenue, then I'm all for it. I don't care how they look. But I want to focus on the fact that the shirts will be available soon. Because last season, we played the entire summer with the previous season's kits and we had the old Kappa kits, even though we had this new deal with Armani and then they slapped this big Napoli sticker on the back to cover up the Kimbo logo. And it, it looked very kind of amateur sort of Bush league stuff. Now this season we've already got the new kits. I'm guessing they're going to put out some sort of promotional video 
shortly, you know, maybe a day or two before the model starts so they can start selling stuff at the actual retreat. Are you getting the same sense that I am that the club seems to be a lot more prepared for the upcoming season than they were for the one that just finished? Purely in terms of merchandise and kits, 100%. I mean, I went on record, I believe on this podcast around the time, and I tweeted, this is a transitional summer. We just broke the contract or, or the contract ended with Kappa and we were, he was putting it together, you know, creating his own uh, clothing line that pairing up with EA7, putting everything into production, having factories in Turkey and China and all, all over the place. Obviously, when that's the very first time that your club or frankly that I know any club has begun to take their, their kits into their own hands and self-produce. It's going to happen later. And he had everything ready just in time, you know, for the beginning of the season, barely. But that was a transitional year. And I said then that this is the only summer that it's going to be like that. By next year, everything will already be in place. Assuming that they sell kits and it's successful, they're going to continue to do this. And, and you, you won't be waiting a long time like the first year. I mean, it, to me, it's pretty obvious why it was like that and, and why it probably will never be like that again. My opinion last year was that maybe they should have extended the contract with Kappa for one season just to give them their time to get to this point, but they squeezed it in just before the start of the season. And De Laurentiis is, I mean, you can't deny, regardless of your opinion of him and the comments he makes, he is very much ahead of the game with things like this. He is an innovator. He mentioned in this in this conference that apparently Milan signed a deal with Balenciaga to produce 10 pieces of merchandise that'll range from like 500 to 1200 euros a piece or whatever and you know when he was shopping around he said he reached out to a lot of these big brands and he you know didn't like the look or whatever and then he landed on armani so and he acknowledged as well that there is a fashion aspect to football now and you know for all their struggles on the pitch venezia was lauded this season for their fashion sense and that's become a big part of football now so I think we do have to give him credit for being an innovator um, as far as the kids go. Again, you may disagree with how many and what they look like and all that, but it is a different idea. The other thing is the kids are just one example, I think, of something that the club is sort of ahead of schedule than or you know, further ahead of schedule than they normally are. The other one is, you know, the transfers, right? I mean, that was something else that Laurentiis mentioned in the conference that within five days of the end of the 21-22 campaign, we had already replaced Insignia and Gulam, obviously referring to Barishkelia and Olivera. We redeemed Angisa and we extended Juan Jesus. So that's two things that, you know, last season we were hoping to make transfers. You know, can we squeeze something in by the end of the season and, or end of the summer? He also made a comment about potentially being more active in the winter mercato. Now, historically, we have not been active in the winter because player values tend to be inflated. We certainly weren't active last season, which is another qualm that many Napoli fans have with De Laurentiis. But after reminding everyone for the umpteenth time that Napoli are the only Italian club to play in Europe for the 13th consecutive season, he said that during the break for the World Cup, we can prepare for a January Mercato to address any mistakes that we made at the beginning of the season. Actually, it was funny because he actually called it this great bullshit World Cup that's being played in the winter, <laughs> which is another hilarious moment of this conference. And then he said that he's always been against the winter Mercato or what he called the repair market, which is not surprising again, because player values are always inflated in the winter. But he said lately he's had to give up on that, which I take to mean that he's kind of abandoned this approach of not signing players in the winter. So to me, that was another positive you know, signal that he gave us. And then the final one was actually a comment made by our commercial director, Tommaso Bianchini, who was also at the conference. Bianchini joined the club from Fiorentina about six months ago. So he's familiar with Rocco Comiso, which surely means that he appreciates the value of the international market, particularly the North American market. And what Bianchini said is that they're studying the digital world and looking at ways to grow the brand internationally, which is something that those of us in North America have been complaining about for a long time. So I think those are all very positive signs. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, to the point with the signings and getting off quickly, I mean, 
everything is consolidated. We are continuing with the same coach. We made it in the Champions League. So we have, we know we have the funding. We knew we're going to keep the same project going. So we have continuity. And we also knew from a long time ago that, for example, Insigne and Gulen were both going to be going. So we could already start targeting who we wanted during the season. And Angisa and Juan Jesus are merely extensions. They both did very well in their given roles for us last season. And therefore, it only makes sense to extend. So, yeah, I, I think that's fantastic. And in regards to the winter mercato, I mean, you know, this is going to be a very unique winter with the World Cup, the, the bullshit World Cup, as, as ADL said. I couldn't agree more, by the way. But I think also, you know, for him to say that, maybe there's already some certain target that they know is going to become available in winter because it kind of seems weird for him to build up hope in the fan base that we are going to dip in the winter market unless he almost knows for sure. Like perhaps there's a target that he knows will somehow become more available in winter. You know, that's just a guess of mine. But yeah, overall, I think we're looking very good going into next season with the way we're approaching it so far. And I hope it continues. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that the only other reason I think he may have said we might be more active in the winter is that he recognizes there could be a lot of change this summer. I mean, we're, again, we're going to talk a bit more about that in part two. But if there is, then there may actually be a need to bring in some reinforcements to address gaps where you know players just didn't pan out. So that'll do for part one. In part two, we'll talk about some of De Laurentiis' comments about the summer mercato. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to part two of the Forza Napoli podcast. All right, so let's talk about De Laurentiis' comments on the Mercato next. And I think there is only one place to start, which is the comments he made about Koulibaly and Mertens. On the renewals of those two players, he said it will depend on them if the only thing that will satisfy them is the vile currency... (laughs) or if they want the privilege of living in Napoli. Now, before I get your thoughts on whether either of those players will stay or leave, what do you make of De Laurentiis, a man who many believe is only interested in vile currency, asking two of our modern legends to choose between money and Napoli? Well, first of all, I don't think he's only interested in vile currency. Otherwise, like James Palata did at Roma, every year we would be selling our Koulibaly's and Mertens. Uh, you know, they would have been gone a long time ago if that was his only interest. Now, we're all, including myself, very sensitive with anything to do, especially with Koulibaly, particularly because he's only 30. He's probably our best player since Maradona. And he's absolutely irreplaceable and has a special place in our heart, as does Mertens, but his situation is is slightly different. This is public negotiations. We've seen this from De Laurentiis before when he told Levetsi that, you know, go to England, but, you know, the the women don't wash there. And he said all kinds of remarks about how, I mean, he said much worse stuff than this before. The thing for me is that we all want Koulibaly to stay. And this is the one time where I'm a little nervous. However, I believe he's he's putting the pressure on the players, right? A little bit where it's like, oh, if you go, it's because you chose money over Napoli. And whether or not you think that's a smart approach, you know, I, I look at, for example, Dana White in UFC. He's a promoter. He does similar things with his fighters where he, he'll say quotes about them. Oh, they don't actually want to fight. If they don't want to fight, you know, I, I, you know I, I offer them fights, but they don't want to take it for not enough money. You know, he puts pressure on the fighters and De Laurentiis is kind of doing a similar thing here. I don't personally like that approach when it comes to people like Koulibaly. You know, I almost feel like you have to just have a hands-off approach and, and respect him for what he's done. And I think that, you know, frankly, for a guy who costs, I think, $6.5 million, it would be a, a steal to just even continue to pay him what we are. I don't hate it if it works out. If it doesn't work out uh, and he doesn't stay, then we're going to look back on those comments and say, oh, my God, how could he say such a thing, right? But if, if Koulibaly stays, then ADL's kind of a genius. 
Yeah, I feel like part of it though is that he's he's almost leveraging their love for the city, right? And and turning that against them, which feels very yucky for lack of a better term it's not not a nice feeling that to see our you know our most loyal players have to be put in a position to choose between money and the city they love about 10 days ago i wrote an article on koulibaly on our Substack page where i suggested that the koulibaly negotiation is following a very similar pattern as the insignia negotiation and for me this is another similarity because i think he made similar comments when negotiating with Insignia, do you want to, you know, stay for the city you love or go chase money? You know, is that same ultimatum. I'm sadly already bracing myself for the departure of Koulibaly, and I'm hopeful that Mertens will extend. How do you think this is going to play out? I'm really 50-50 on it. I do think that the reported wages being offered are probably wrong. I don't see... De Laurentiis trying to offer only 3.54 million for Koulibaly, unless there's some very easy to achieve bonuses in there where he could say, look, I told you I'm going to keep it at 3.54 for everybody. But basically, you know, if he plays most of his games to his level, he'll probably end up making around the same that he's making now. Now, from De Laurentiis point of view, I understand this. It's like, if you're offering him essentially what he's making now, which is in total 6 million a season, roughly, and he's getting offers from, say, I don't know, Barcelona or Chelsea, just for example, for double that, then I can kind of understand where De Laurentiis is coming from when he's kind of saying about the city and the leprosy. Because at the end of the day, we're never going to be able to offer the kind of wages that a club like Chelsea or Barcelona are going to offer. Um, So, you know, I can kind of see him from that point of view. On the other hand, would I prefer that he he didn't say that uh, in regards to Kleebly? Yes, but... I, I can kind of see his perspective if that's what he's referring to. If it's like, oh, I'm offering him pretty much the same as now, but on the table, he's got a 12 million per season, doubled amount offer. He's got to decide, does he want to play for the city he loves for less money or go for money? Which, you know, then kind of adds a, a little bit more nuance behind his quotes. But I think at the end of the day, until we get the true details on the contract being offered confirmed, I can't really judge either way, you know, because if it is only 3.5 for five seasons, that's really ridiculous. But if it is around the same with bonuses, then yeah. But will he stay or not? I think it's going to come down to his heart, Kalibali's, his family. This is his last chance really for a big contract. And it's going to he's going to decide, does he want to play out the rest of his career in Napoli or does he want to try and experience abroad? And that's similar to the situation that Insignia was in as well. I mean, he had to choose between this very lucrative offer from Toronto FC compared to maybe a maintaining or a slight pay cut. I mean, maybe this, the offer changed over the last week because the reports were three and a half and then the club went out of their way. And you know, this was coming from the Laurentiis to issue a press release to call out an individual reporter, which I did not like. I think they could have just maybe called out the newspaper. They didn't have to identify an individual denying that Napoli offered three and a half million to Koulibaly and then now the reports are he offered four million and you know five years to make up for the lower salary and and so on so I agree I'm curious to know what offers he might be getting from Chelsea and Barcelona because those are the two clubs he's been most linked to but they're both in very curious situations at the moment obviously Chelsea just got purchased for about 3.2 billion euros but the people coming in are not Roman Abramovich types, right? He would happily lose money to win, whereas these are investors. They're coming in to make money. And then a report surfaced this week about Barcelona being something like half a billion euros in debt. So I don't know what, what their ability to spend is going to be. I don't think Barcelona is realistic at all. PK is owed $50 million. <laughs> PK. Yeah. He's their, you know, so it's like, how are you going to sign Koulibaly now and offer him wages? You haven't even paid PK yet. For me, the worry is Chelsea. I don't think the new owners will be like Abramovich, but they're losing Rudiger, who's signed to Real Madrid. They're losing Christensen, who's signing to Barcelona. And Aspilicueta is getting up there in age. Okay, So basically, two of their back three, Rudiger and Christensen, are going to be gone. So they're going to need to buy defenders and apparently they have a roughly 200 million budget, 
which sounds like a lot, but given how many players they're actually losing, they probably need around 200 million simply to just kind of maintain top four position for next year, in my opinion. I do follow Chelsea quite closely. I think that there's a slight chance Koulibaly could go there also because of his close relationship with Jorginho. Uh, if Jorginho stays, he knows he has a buddy there. There have been a lot of uh, Serie A transfers to Chelsea over the years. Rudiger himself went from Roma and did very well. So for me, the one big club out there that I'm nervous about Koulibaly going to is Chelsea. I, I don't think, although Barcelona, I'm sure, want him, I, I just can't see it happening. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, all things considered, the price that we're hearing for Koulibaly well, I've seen different reports. I've seen reports of 30 million, then I've seen other ones saying 60 to 70, which is not going to happen for a player with one year left on his contract. I think most clubs would rather just wait out that one year. It, that's an interesting one, though, because if they're losing all of these players, they need immediate replacement. So then are you maybe willing to spend a little bit more to bring a guy in now right. and to ward off any competition? Because you know these are the clubs Koulibaly is linked to now. Imagine a year from now when he's free, you know, a lot more clubs are going to surface that are going to be interested. Their other main center back is Thiago Silva, who's like almost 40. So they're right. they're really going to need to reinforce it. Yeah, I think Koulibaly is probably a prime target of theirs. Okay. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye on that. On Mertens, Luca Marchetti of Sky Sport has reported that Lazio are offering double the salary that Napoli are now we know that Napoli are offering a pay cut somewhere in you know one and a half two million euros a season so that would suggest Lazio are offering three to four million which is basically what he makes today but I think it's well established that this is not about money for Mertens if it was he probably would have left when Inter were courting him a couple of seasons ago so if Koulibaly plays out his contract he would be the third captain in four seasons to depart the club. We had Hamsik in 2019, obviously Insignia this season, and then Koulibaly next season. Then I've been a De Laurenti supporter and defender for a long time, but if this continues, I don't know if I could keep up supporting him much longer. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I think you have to take them all separately though even though it's easy to group them together i think hamsik was more just he felt that his level had dropped it was very clear that he wasn't the same player anymore and i think that it was more he felt that he was going to be a hindrance if he stayed he loved the club so much he knew that he kind of had to be played if he was there but that his level wasn't quite up to par so i think for him it was more just he felt like he had given all he had given to, he could give to napoli he wasn't the same anymore, and and he wanted to try something else. I really think in, in that case, it had nothing to do really with De Laurentiis. Insigne, obviously, we know. But, you know, there are those who think now that uh, De Laurentiis was brilliant because Insigne did drop off this season in comparison to last year. Wingers, in general, tend to fall off a little bit earlier in their career just because of how much they have to track back and how much moving their... They have to do unless you're able to adapt to a new role like Mertens did later in his career or Ronaldo did later in his career. And I, I just can't see Insigne really moving to like a number 10 or striker, at least in Serie A. But Koulibaly is, it would be the worst one, in my opinion, because it's very clear to me, given his age and given the fact that he's a center back, that he probably can maintain his current levels for another four or five seasons. I don't see why not. We've seen other center backs, great center backs in Serie A, like Maldini, Nesta, Chiellini, Barzali, and even those outside of Serie A, like John Terry and Thiago Silva. In that role, the world-class defenders usually can maintain it later, in particular in Serie A. So you really feel like Koulibaly out of Hamsik and Insigne would be leaving the most great seasons on the table were he to leave. And that's why it would probably be the worst blow, in my opinion, of the three. Yeah, I agree. And Mertens is obviously older, so it wouldn't feel as bad as much as we want Mertens to retire with the club. It's a bit more understandable. Now, perhaps just as bad as not extending a club legend, at least some would say, is not bringing one back. De Laurentiis was asked about a possible return of Enenson Cabani, and he crushed our dreams again. He basically said that 35-year-olds are fine if they play in goal, but in other positions, it's a different story. Now, 
the Laurentiis has always been opposed to signing players in their 30s, let alone at the salary that Cavani would command. Knowing the impact that a guy like Ibrahimovic had at Milan, do you think we're missing an opportunity here to bring in a proven winner? First of all, Cavani is my favorite striker of all time. One of my favorite players, like so many other Napoli fans. I, I know I'm not unique in that, and I would love to have him back at any time. Here's the thing, though, I was thinking about is, in my opinion, Cavani right now in Serie A, he has to start. Honestly, Edin Dzeko is a year older than Edinson Cavani. He started every game almost for Inter, who almost won the Scudetto this year. They were one game away from winning. So a 35-year-old Edinson Cavani, to me, he can start and probably get you 20 goals a season as a main striker in Serie A, even right now. Would that be awesome to have that and Ostiman? Of course it would be. On the other hand, is it a huge shadow to cast over Victor? You know, because Ibra didn't have someone like that in front of him when he came. He didn't have this brilliant 100 million striker in front of him, whereas Cavani would. And so it's a slightly different... um, slightly different scenario and let's say Victor's having a bad game fans are going to be like why isn't Cavani on we want Cavani on it could backfire it's almost like too almost too good to be true having those two guys unless of course we were to play a two striker formation but I just can't see Spalletti doing that nor do I think that they're two strikers who would really work together they're both like proper number nines usually you know you kind of have a big guy small guy Lautaro Dzeko uh, Tevez, Llorente, uh, and so on. I don't think they could probably play as a pair. And so I can kind of see all different sides to it. At the end of the day, if it's me, would I bring him? Yes. But I don't expect it to happen because not only of the wages, but I think that this is the year of Victor Osman exploding. Hopefully he has a healthy season. He may leave after that for big money, but I think that that's the priority of the project. And De Laurentiis might also feel like bringing someone like Cavani in just might almost put a little too much pressure on Victor. Okay, I mean, that makes sense. I was also trying to figure out why this wouldn't be done. And and some of the things that I thought of were that even though De Laurentiis doesn't like players in his 30s, we supposedly had a deal in place to bring Ibrahimovic himself to Napoli before Gattuso kiboshed that and he ended up going to Milan. So that suggests that maybe he's not terribly opposed to bringing in older players. My view on Cavani playing as a backup was that he just came off a season playing as a backup at Manchester United. Mind you, maybe he views it differently when, you know, backing up a guy like Cristiano Ronaldo, who's one of the two greatest players of our generation, even at that age, maybe like you said, playing in said, yeah, his expectation would be to start And then I do think the salary part of it does come into the question, the vile currency, (laughs) as we keep talking about. I mean, I don't know how accurate these sites are that report on wages, but Salary Sports reports that Cavani made 8.3 million pounds last season, which is about 9.8 million euros uh, at United. Now, in England, they report gross wages, not net wages. So that's about 6 million euros net. I don't think we would come anywhere near that in terms of a salary. I don't even think we would offer him half of that, to be honest. If we're offering Mertens, who's the same age as Cavani, you know, one and a half to two million, I don't see us offering Cavani three, four, five million euros. So to me, I think there's still probably a big gap in terms of uh, salary expectations as well. Uh, The one other thing I wanted to add is Cavani, uh, when he went to Man United, Ronaldo wasn't there. And I don't think he expected them to, to sign Ronaldo, uh, to be honest. I mean, I thought he was the veteran guy they were bringing in to kind of, you know, be there with the Rashfords and the Martials. And then the following season, you know, United, they don't really have a strategy. They just kind of go for big names. It's kind of cobbled together. Everyone knows how much a joke they've been. You know, if Napoli had had a quarter of their budget over the last 10 years with our strategy, we would probably win treble every season. So, you know, I, I don't know how much he would really want to come and be a backup for lower money at Napoli. It's just probably not going to happen as much as yeah. I would love it. 
even in Cavani's second season at United, that Ronaldo deal was a last minute. It was almost like Ronaldo was jealous of all the attention Messi was getting for transferring that he decided at the last second that he had to transfer as well, which was great for Napoli fans to see Juve kind of get shafted like that. And, you know, the final <laughs> week of the, the Mercato. <laughs> let's move on. Speaking of Juve, that's a good segue to move on to Federico Bernardeschi. De Laurentiis confirmed at the press conference that he has spoken to Bernardeschi's agent in Monte Carlo. So those rumors linking us to Bernardeschi seem to have some truth to him. Our fans seem pretty divided on Bernardeschi. How would you feel about him joining Napoli? It all depends on who he's replacing and what kind of a role we have in mind for him. If the reports are that uh, true that Politano doesn't really love playing with Spalletti or they don't really have a great feeling with each other and and he wants to leave. Given the fact also that we have to keep in mind how many Italians we're losing, by the way, if especially if we sell Petania, Insigne is gone, we don't know what's happening with Moret. I think that Bernardeschi is a fine replacement for Politano. I think that, you know, if he's a backup and we make Chucky number one, Bernardeschi as a backup, and he can also play in the number 10 role, maybe a little bit deeper as a Mezzala if we play 4-3-3. And he can kind of almost be a Politano slash Elmas type of player who who is more on the right side and Elmas is more on the left. I I, I can accept him in that role. Anything more than that, I I don't think he's he's necessarily starting material. But um, we have seen players leave Juventus and flourish. so, you know, I don't think he could do any worse than he's doing right now. And if it's to replace Politano, I could live with it. Yeah, I think many people, myself included, have their reservations because of his struggles at Juventus. But, I mean, under Allegri, every attacking player struggles at Juventus. Also, the very fact that he'd be coming from Juventus is a bit off-putting for Napoli fans. I think those in favor of the move are probably thinking back to his days at Fiorentina and knowing that he has that in him somewhere. And I've seen a lot of people suggesting that Spalletti is the perfect guy to get sort of the best out of him. I'm not terribly sure about that either because our wingers just had a terrible season. So what reason do we have to believe that this winger is suddenly going to have a good one? To me, I agree. It would only make sense to sign Bernardeschi if we're not keeping Politano because they're so similar. They're both inverted right wingers, though Bernardeschi does have the flexibility to play on the left as well. According to Ciro Venerato of Rai, Politano has made a request to leave through his agent Mario Giuffredi. I don't know if that's true or not, but Ever since Politano was authorized to take a family trip to Ibiza during a retiro, <laughs> I've had the sneaking suspicion that he's on his way out because it just was very similar to the whole Manolas situation. I don't know if you've been seeing the new reports that Gattuso is probably going to Valencia. I wouldn't be shocked if Politano joins him in Valencia. I think that's the exact type of club that Politano would go to in Spain. Yeah, I did see that report, and I thought, you know, Valencia is a bit of a mess of a club, so that sounds like the perfect place for Gattuso, too, because he came to our mess and cleaned it up, so, I mean, why not go over there? He's uh, looking for a job he could reestablish himself, and yeah, maybe that's a, a link to Spain, so that's an interesting one to keep an eye out on. Venerato also reported on some of the, the wage expectations, so he said that Napoli offered Bernardeschi two and a half million euros a season for three years, but Bernardeschi wants three and a half, which is pretty close. That's not that far apart. And he added that Bernardeschi's agent Federico Pastorello reached out to Milan, Inter, and Napoli, but Milan aren't that interested. They've kind of pulled out of the negotiations. Inter are more focused on their youth players. And if that's true, then Napoli would have a bit of an upper hand in the negotiations and could potentially get Bernardeschi for less than that three and a half asking price. All right, let's move on to the last two players that De Laurentiis talked about, who were David Ospina and Fabian Ruiz. He said that he spoke to both of them and that they will respond in 15 days. I think Fabian's 15 days are coming up very soon, so we could hear more about him sooner. But let's start with Ospina. I already know your answer to this question from our private conversations, but for the listeners, how important is it for you that we extend his contract? Uh, it's super important that we extend his contract. David Ospina was the second best goalie in the league up there in Europe in terms of clean sheets. I don't know the exact stats. So I don't want to just you know whip it out, but definitely in Serie A, 
next to Mike Manyan, he had the best record. On top of that, he's a strong leader, a character. We've seen that when he, he also captains his national team. So that, that it's not a coincidence that he's also a great leader for us. He fits our style of play. He's excellent with the ball at his feet. You never worry about him back there. And I think that, you know, he's a perfect age for a goalie. You know, 33 for a goalie is, is not that old. He's right in his prime. And I think that we have the, the best defense in the league with him as part of that unit. Why break that up? He's right there. It's goalies. It's not easy always to scout goalies. We've had trouble with goalies in the past. And in my opinion, he's the best goalie in the ADL era. And it's not like we pay big money for him. If you have to offer him a decent salary for me, you keep him. He's potentially even, uh, well, were Kaliba Lee and Mertens to go, who was a better option than as a captain than Ospina, if you think about it? You know, him and Di Lorenzo maybe would be probably next on my list. So I think both for his personality, what he offers just as a person and leader, as well as on the field. And also we've heard Spalletti vouch for him as well, which shows you how much faith he has in him. I think you have to get that deal done. I'd be very upset if we didn't. And uh, I hope that I hope it happens really soon and we can just relax about the goalie situation. Yeah, that was the point that I was going to make. You took the words from my mouth that perhaps the most important part of this whole thing is that Spalletti specifically requested that we extend Ospina. According to Caltronopoli 24, Ospina is waiting to see what will happen at Real Madrid and if he can't be the starter there, then his priority remains to be at Napoli. They claim that Ospina wants 3 million euros per season plus bonuses, which is which I think is a very reasonable price. I think he's probably worth a lot more than that. But knowing De Laurentiis, if Real Madrid falls through, he'll probably offer Ospina slightly less than that, and they'll do the song and dance in the back and forth. In the meantime, we've been linked to a number of keepers, Vicario, Golini, Sirigu, though I think he's more linked as a, a possible replacement for Meretta as the backup. We have Meret still, though it's looking more and more likely that his time at Napoli is over, even if Ospina leaves. He hasn't exactly gotten much love over the past few seasons, and I think at his, his age, he needs to be playing pretty regularly, right? According to transfer expert Alfredo Pedula, Fiorentina have their eyes on Meret if he does not extend with Napoli. On the other options, I think I'd be fine with Vicario. It's a bit of a risky play, but he had a really strong season, especially at the end of the season. And maybe we could get a deal with Empoli done. You know, we've done a lot of business with them in the past. He sighed, Mario Rui, Di Lorenzo, they all came from Empoli. But definitely my preference by a long margin, a wide margin, is to keep Ospina. We're almost out of time. So very quickly, I'm curious to know your thoughts on the whole Fabian Ruiz situation. Well, I, I've always been a huge fan, even in previous seasons when a lot of the fan base wanted Fabian to leave and be sold. I thought this guy's world class. Okay, he he sometimes lacked consistency, but he's been only more consistent this past season. And we know how unique his shots outside the box are. And I think there's few teams that he doesn't walk right into in Europe right now. And he's right at that age where he's just about to reach his prime. But he's got one season left and it seems like his... And his agent's strategy has been to either run it down and leave for free or, or kind of push to leave. So if the player's mind is made up that he wants to go, then obviously sell him, get as much money as you can for him before his contract runs out and scout someone else. And I have faith that we can scout, you know, decent midfielders as we've shown in the past. If, however, he, he's not decided to go and, and he's really 50-50, then I would like to see him, especially given his age, just about to reach his prime, offer him, you know, not what a Real Madrid could offer him, but offer him a, a fair amount for a club of Napoli size. And if he stays, we're all the better for it. I think that really Koulibaly, Fabian and Osimhen are our three world-class players right now. Calcio Napoli 24 reported on this as well. They're saying that De Laurentiis offered him a one-year extension with a 30 million euro bio clause added to the contract. However, the salary that the club is reportedly offering is nowhere near Fabian's request of 4 million euros per season. And to me, unless they meet those salary demands, I don't really see what's in it for Fabian to extend his contract for a year and insert a bio clause. Like that only benefits the club. So I think, yeah, it's more likely that 
he'll just play out his contract. You know, we've been trying to extend him for a long time and he's just never responded. So it does feel like he kind of made up his mind a while ago, at some point since his last extension that he was going to leave. Sky Sports have suggested that Fabian could become the next sort of Milik situation where the club could kind of freeze him out if he refuses to extend his contract. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, if I'm being honest. I think, you know, the issue with Milik was that he was rejecting every offer that came our way. Whereas this report from Calcio Napoli 24 said that we haven't really received any concrete offers for Fabian, or maybe that means realistic offers in the sort of price range that we're looking for. And if that's true, like I said, I think he's just going to play out his contract and walk for free at the end of next season. Okay, that is where we'll leave it. De Laurentiis had a couple of other very interesting comments, including a couple of shots at Fiji chief president Gabriele Gravina, but I'll let you go look that one up. If you need a link to the conference, shoot me a DM and I will send it over to you. Vin, any final thoughts before I let you go? No, I just I just want to say I'm positive overall. I know there's a few contracts that we're all nervous about and it's keeping us up at night, but I have faith that we're consolidating this project and we're going to move forward. Let's just keep our fingers crossed for Koulibaly. He's the big one. Secondarily, Ospina and of course, Mertens would be great as well and hope for the best. But I think that we have a good game plan and we're going to see it be executed over this summer. Absolutely. You can find Vincenzo on Twitter at VinBertillo. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5. And you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon at Fortsanapoli Pod. I will be back with another episode at some point next week. I don't know exactly when yet. But until then, I'm Joe Fischetti. Forza Napoli sempre. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.